Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Fixing the Tuck Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown. Today, I am joined by Dan Roach and Brendan Connolly. Fellas, how are we doing? Great. Pretty good. How are you? Well, don't just talk at the same time. We love it. We're having a great day here already. We're on. We're in sync. Absolutely. <laughs> we love it. Uh, but we're here to talk some baseball, specifically our Boston Red Sox, who at the moment stand at 71 and 55. Unfortunately, that's only good for third in the AL East. They are six and a half game back of the division leading Tampa Bay Rays in the AL East. And they are two games back behind our hated rivals, the New York Yankees, who own the first wildcard spot. However, the Red Sox are, would still make the playoffs today. They are still a half game ahead of the Oakland A's for the second wildcard spot, thanks to a we'll call it dramatic win earlier today against the Texas Rangers, a game that shouldn't have went to extra innings, but it did uh, that they, we got a, we got a lucky walk off in the bottom of the 10th with Travis Shaw, the mayor making his first real impact since rejoining the team. We'll get into that in a little bit, but with the Red Sox being five and five in their last 10 and a really disappointing 16 and 19 in the second half post all-star game, uh, it's, it's been a little bit of a slug for the Red Sox coming out of the all-star break. So Brendan, I will start with you. What are your thoughts on the Red Sox uh, at this time, uh, coming, coming out of this, this all-star game break? Yeah, I think, um, first half of the season, you had a lot of, a lot of, or everything going right. Basically this, the starting pitching was getting by the bullpen looked really good. The lineup was good top to bottom. And it's just kind of unfortunate you have um, everything that was clicking before just stopped clicking all together at the same time. Um, so I, I think it, it's definitely disappointing, but I think um, I guess it's disappointing in itself along with um, the Rays and the Yankees making runs at the same time. But um, that's just kind of a tough situation to be in. So I, I think there's a little bit too much panic for the season um, I, I don't think it's going to collapse in the span of two weeks. I think they'll probably put it back together and they're still obviously still in a, in a wild card spot now and they'll still be in contention down the road. So I'd say pause on the panic button, but definitely a disappointing little stretch. DR. Yeah. I mean, they, they started out the year and they were just, everything went right. I mean, the starting pitching wasn't supposed to be that good. Uh, the bullpen was definitely not supposed to be that good. Uh, you had some guys uh, really pop for you who were hitting. Um, and uh, I think just the hitting kind of dried up, uh, especially some of the sort of those intermediate guys, some of the studs stayed, stayed and, and kind of still did their thing, but um, you know, JD kind of slumped a little bit there. Uh, and in conjunction with that, I think just this, this rotation wasn't going to hold up and um we saw that a little bit. I, I guess that a lot of people thought it would be injuries. Wasn't really injuries. I mean, Richards is healthy. Perez is healthy, um, but they, they just don't have it um, like they did earlier this season. Um, and the bullpen has really fallen apart recently. I, I think Brennan's right. The uh, it, it's, it's this isn't doomsday. Um, I think it, I think the t- transition was just um, you know when are they going to fall off and it got to a point where they had, they had been uh, clicking and you know the best record in baseball that um i think we and, and the fans started to believe that 
maybe this is what, what they are. Maybe they are better than we thought. Um, and now maybe we're realizing that maybe, maybe now they're, they're sort of falling off a little bit. So, um, yeah. Now the last time we, we talked some socks, it was back in all the way back in May, I believe. And they were off to that really hot start. And we were starting to ask the questions like, Hey, are, is this a team that maybe they're, it's not just, are they competing for a playoff spot? Are they maybe, maybe championship contenders? Is it, or is it too early to say that? Like how long can they keep this up for? And we, we figured maybe they, they kind of taper off a little bit and hit, hit, hit a slump, hit a wall in June, maybe July and other teams would start to catch back up to them, but it, it really didn't happen until August. So that it's, that's been the, one of the more impressive things is that they went a good four months with just straight, very competitive, very successful baseball. But the past couple of weeks, like you guys have hit on, it's, it's been a slump to say the least. The, the thing is though, the batting numbers, if you look at the team uh, across the board, the batting numbers have actually slightly improved from their pre all-star game numbers. The pitching numbers, not so much. That's, that's gone down a bit across the board, most part. Um, but the, it's been two real things that I've noticed that have stood out and you guys can, can kind of critique me on whether or not you agree with me or not on this, but it's, it's been the fielding, which has seemingly just gone down the drain and clutch time spots. I know Dan, you've shared a tweet with us uh, from Red Sox stats about how just clutch time spots have just become a massive liability for the Red Sox for both hitters and pitchers in the second half. I don't know if you want to expand on that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I sent a lot of tweets. I don't recall. <laughs> <the> tweet. <laughs> um, but basically yeah, the gist I, of it to, to kind of jog your memory here was that just it, it read in part, like August has just seen the Sox total collapse in high leverage situations, not just from hitting, but from a pitching standpoint, just players not being able to get the timely hit or make that key pitch when push comes to shove. And that's kind of been the basis of the, the this kind of late summer swoon for the Sox. And then you add to the fact that the defensive liabilities have, have just been exposed now that you're trying to fit guys like Kyle Schwarber into the lineup. It's, it's been, it's been tough to say the least. Yeah. I think, um, you know, Bobby's up to, to nine errors on the season up at first base. Um, he's someone that, and I, I think he's, there's been a lot of plays that, you know, as a first baseman, you'd like to see him pick it, even though maybe it's not an error. I think first base specifically has been an area of concern for this team. Um, but um, Darvis has made his share of, of, of errors, especially early on. Uh, he's cleaned it up. He's looked a lot better. Um, you know, I like Vasquez. I know had a brutal tag today that, really should have been, um, you know, textbook and you kind of botched that. So I think it's kind of been a team effort in the fielding regard, um, which is just kind of just, you know, feel something, something as kind of basic as fielding, especially when um, I, 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 I get it a little bit when it's talking about a guy like Bobby Dahlbeck coming from third base, learning first base on the season or, uh, you know, trying to shoehorn um, Schwarber. I don't think he's played any first base yet. I think this was his first positional start in uh, left field today. Um, he's just been DH and, but, but I think um, they've been mixing some guys around, um, but I think the defense needs to improve. And I think when you're pitch hitting Kevin Ploiecki as great as he's been hitting recently, I mean, he's the backup catcher and he's not the backup catcher for his offensive prowess. I know he was swinging at hot, but you know, that's really not the guy that you'd like to be um, 
sort of your clutch time guy that you, you, you want up. Um, you know, Travis Shaw, big moment today, but I mean, he's a guy that they got off the scrap heap from the Brewers. So, um, you know, just look for the team to, to sort of execute a little bit better in those moments going forward. Brendan, what do you think about the defensive woes and sort of the, the inability to, to, to capitalize and clutch spots, runners in scoring position, whether you're on offense or defense, is that something that you yeah. think that the team will figure out sooner rather than later? Or is this something that they're not going to be able to, is this like a bug that they're not going to be able to shake? Uh, I think, I think the big, the big swing lately has been the in clutch situations. Like you mentioned, you have the Red Sox not being able to uh, bring guys in when they're in scoring position, you have late, late inning leverage situations that the, the relievers just can't hold it together. And meanwhile, you have teams like the Yankees on a run, the Rays seems like every time they're in a clutch situation, they're getting the job done. Um, I mean, our bullpen, well, our, the Rays, uh, the Rays bullpen, um, has been holding it together. Um, with, with the starting, <laughs> with the, with the starting rotation that's doing well, but not, not really lighting the world on fire. They, they've been, um, they've been getting us innings and, um, handing it off to the bullpen with, uh, with close games and the late inning offense has been putting it together and the bullpen has been closing it out. So, I mean, um, that's been the difference in the past three weeks. So, um, I, I think it's definitely something that has swung in, in the raised direction away from the Red Sox, but it's something that, um, I could definitely see coming back. It's, you're not, you have too many good hitters in that Red Sox lineup um, to, to continually drop the ball in, in late situations there. So I, I think you'll see it swing back and it'll be a tight race between those three teams come September. Now let's, let's talk about, we've kind of mentioned a couple of players so far, but let's, let's, let's kind of highlight a, a player or two that has both impressed or disappointed us the most so far in the second half. So Dan, why don't you get us started? What's, what's a player that you want to kind of highlight that's really impressed you so far in the second half? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with two guys, both in, in the, uh, the starting rotation, uh, Erod and Stale, uh, th- this team specifically during this slump had some really bad starts. Um, you know, just really across the board, there was a stretch where, um, nobody could, could get anything going and they couldn't get anything resembling a decent start from, um, really anyone. Um, and Erod came in, he mixed in, I think he only went five, but he struck out like, I don't know, it was like eight or nine in the start. He didn't give up a run. He looked, he looked great. So he didn't give a lot of innings, but I mean, he shut, shut out, uh, forget who they played. Um, and since then he's been great. I think he's given up like two runs across his last three starts. Um, he's been, uh, a much needed, uh, He's he's been really good for them at a position and that that they've needed. Um, and sales sales done the same thing. They've won both his starts since he's been back. Um, he's given up two runs in both of them, or well across both. Um, I think his 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 presence on the mound and leadership, um, you know, they're coming through. That that was something that I think uh, they haven't turned around this this sort of skid. I'd say yet, um, but it was really bad for a while, and it's sort of evening out. Uh, I think a little bit right now. I want to get into Chris Sale a little bit later on for sure. Uh, Brendan, what's one player or two, or two that stood out to you? Um, in a negative way, I think the big, the biggest person that stands out is uh, Matt Barnes. He's, he's, he was locked down the first half of the year. It seemed like every time he came in, it was just, you had no question about it. He was going to get the job done. And I mean, in the month of August, he's, he's allowed something like upwards of eight or eight or nine runs, I think. And it's just, blown save after blown save and loss here and there. And, um, 
he's been the biggest biggest missing piece in the bullpen. I think you you are you are always going to have question marks with guys like Ottavino and um, Sawamura. Brazier's not back yet. Um, Whitlock, you don't you can't really rely on him too often just because of his. I mean, he doesn't have the innings coming back from Tommy John, and um, so you're going to need to hold him back a little bit. So I think you're really relying on Matt Barnes to continue his first half, and he just hasn't. Um, a guy that's really impressed me and is doing exactly what I think he's, uh, he was brought in to do is Kyle Schwarber. He's, um, th- this offense was struggling getting on base on a uh, regular basis. And, um, he hasn't, he hasn't really done any damage with the bat yet, but he's consistently getting on base. He's, he's over, over 500 with his, with his on base percentage since joining the team. And, um, I think he's doing exactly what they've asked him to do and he's doing a good job at it. So it'll be good to see him play defensively a little more and, um, hopefully start, uh, swinging with a little power, but, um, he, he's done exactly what you'd, you'd hope when you pick him up. Definitely got to give you a retweet on the Matt Barnes take. He's definitely been the guy that stood out to me as most disappointing, but I also think the, the, the bullpen as a whole in the second half has been kind of a letdown. I mean, in, in particular for Barnes, his second half numbers, two and three win loss record. He's converted five out of six saves though. Uh, which that kind of shocked me when I, when I looked into that, but a 6.30 ERA and 10 innings pitched. uh, That's just, that's just not going to get it done whatsoever. And you compare that to the first half numbers that saw him become a first time all-star four and two, 19 saves and 23 opportunities, a squeaky clean two, six, eight ERA and 38 innings and a third pitched. We need that guy back. We need our closer to get back into form if we're going to be able to swing things around. And you look at the bullpen as a whole, I think in the second half, you look at the post all-star game break splits. There's only two guys that have ERAs below four. And one of them is the, what's his face Rios with like a three, nine, five. So Whitlock's been like the only reliever that you've been able to really rely upon. Now, granted, guys like Garrett Richards and Martin Perez have been shifted to the bullpen. I don't have their numbers off the top of the head. I think they've been doing just fine in the bullpen since being sent. Richards been great. Yeah. So uh, I'm, those guys have been able to transition well, but the actual mainstay bullpen guys not doing so well in the second half. The player that's impressed me the most, and I don't, I don't. Maybe this is a cop out, but. Kike Hernandez has continued his excellent first half into the second half. And it's been one of the few bright spots to continue his hot play in the second half. I mean, he's got more walks than strikeouts in the second half. He he's shown to easily pace the starters in batting average, OBP, OPS run scored. He's doing exactly what you want from the leadoff spot. Um, but it's just the other guys around him haven't, haven't been able to keep up their play as much as you would have liked to have hoped. Um, so he's been the only real hitter that's really impressed me so far. I, I agree. Schwarber has filled in nicely, but I got to see more. I need, I need to see more from him, um, before I I'm, I'm all in on the Schwarbaum train. Now let's kind of, uh, pivot to back to the trade deadline. So, Obviously, Kyle Schwarber was our big, the Red Sox big pickup, uh, acquiring him from the Washington Nationals. They also added some kind of mad bullpen options 
uh, Rios, Robles, uh, Frazier, and somebody else. I don't even remember. Austin Davis. Yes, thank you. And so that, that, that was it. So the question I'm going to pose to you guys is should and could the Red Sox have done more for this team for the stretch run? When I say the Red Sox, I obviously mean the front office. Uh, Dan, why don't you get us started on this one? So I don't know if I don't know if more is the the right word. I think that they should have done different things. Um, mm. And and I'll, I'll I know Brendan and I talk a lot about the Red Sox, and and we sort of talked about um, Bloom's offseason approach, where um, you know he took he took a, a chance on a lot of different guys, and sometimes some cases it worked out. I mean, Kike Hernandez is having career year. He's probably like playing like a a top thirty, top twenty outfielder in baseball right now. Um, so that's obviously a, a great hit right now. Uh, but then you look at a guy like Marwan Gonzalez. You know that's that's not a hit. Um, but I think when when you hit on enough of them, you're going to have some success, especially when you have some other core good players around them. Uh, and I think that's in part what led to the good good hot start. Um, but at a deadline, I don't think you're looking so much for these lottery tickets, these guys that may pan out or not. Um, you want maybe more of a sure thing, somebody who's having a good year instead of somebody who's, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to be. Let's see what they'll be in time. Um and I think that's what you saw with Hansel Robles. I think that's what you saw with Austin Davis. Um, Schwarber kind of fits that category in that he was hurt. Um, you're not really sure what he's going to come back from, if he's going to return to form um, and how long he's going to take. Is that going to be a nagging issue or something like that? So I just think I would have liked to see, um, not necessarily like an Anthony Rizzo, but I think there are lesser names out there who, who had been having really good years um, that the um, – that they, they could have gone after, you know, specifically, I think there's a, a first baseman on the pirates who um, Colin Moran uh, that I would like to see them go get um, or um, forgetting the name. There's another, I think he's with the Rockies or something. Um, Crone CJ yeah. Crone. Yeah. I would like to see, uh, see like, I think there were other names out there, people that were available that maybe aren't just like the name power of an Anthony Rizzo, but we're having good years. And uh, I think would have been uh, more proven for this deadline. Hmm. What about you, Brendan? Yeah, I think could they have is no question. They could they could have done more. Um, they they need some starting rotation help. Um, they needed some bullpen help, and they for sure could have used an extra guy in the lineup, which they ended up getting in Schwarber. But um, they definitely, I think, could have done more. Whether they should have is an interesting question because um, you, I mean. The team brought in High and Bloom not to not to go Dave Dombrowski and um, and sell your depth in the farm system to go at it each year and really push for a title. They brought him in more um, to resupply the farm system and uh, give us depth or give the Red Sox depth across the board. Um, that's something that I think he's been doing a very good job of, and it's tough to say, "Hey, we know you br- we brought you in for this other reason," but. Um, we want you actually now to sell these guys and go after Anthony Rizzo on a rental deal. Um, I, I think depending on the price, they could have done more without knowing the prices of um, some of the prospects they'd have to give up. It's tough to say they should. I think the Yankees gave up um, some good depth. They had probably guys in their top 20 ish prospects that would have been probably top 10 guys for us um, for the Red Sox again. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that giving those guys up is a, is a tough ask when you're, when you're having the front office um, kind of take a longer term approach. Um, 
guys, guys like Schwarber, that was a good deal. Um, the Austin Davis move, you're going to have to move uh, Shavis at some point just because it doesn't seem like he's going to contribute to the big league team. And you're going to need those 40 man roster spots for your rule five eligible guys this winter. So um, at some point he was going to have to get moved. So taking a lottery ticket there on a guy that wasn't probably going to contribute in a, in a huge way. Um, I don't hate. So could they have done more? Absolutely. Should they? It's, it's probably tough to know without knowing the prices of guys. Yeah. I'm I'd have to agree with you there, Brendan, like from an organizational standpoint, they're obviously still working to replenish the farm system from the Dave Dombrowski era, no doubt about it. And so it would have been really tough to get some of those marquee names that everyone was kind of teasing. Maybe the Sox are in on, maybe they're in on Craig Kimbrell, maybe they're in on Anthony Rizzo. And it just kind of seemed like they weren't really willing to pay close enough to the price to make it worth any of those teams while to give up those players. And so you get, this is what was, what resulted is you get guys that maybe they'll hit, maybe they won't. And you're, you're hoping that a Kyle Schwarber returns to that nuclear three week stretch, four week stretch where he hit like seemingly almost all of his home runs in that time frame coming off of the injured list. And now he's back on it. Now he's back off of it with the Red Sox. And you hope that he can return to that form. And the same with the bullpen guys kind of taking those lottery tickets that you were saying. Um, so it, it remains to be seen whether or not it could have been, they should have done more, but I think the, the answer is for now, for me at least is yes, but it remains to be seen. I also think it's worth bringing up that it, it, you know it was really a seller's market. I think finding those those deals was was hard. I mean, you look at mm. Craig Kimbrell went for Nick Madrigal. I mean, Nick Madrigal is I mean, he was a I think a top ten prospect. I mean, he's going to be the, the the cornerstone of of probably the the Cubs infield going forward. I mean, he's a stud second baseman prospect. I know that Kimbrell has the pedigree, um, but but he, at the end of the day, he's a reliever on what he's got like an extra year on that deal or something. That's a, that's a steep ask. Um, and I think, you know, around the league, you saw it was a seller's market. Yeah. The, that trade in particular, that price to, that the White Sox paid for a closer of all positions that they needed. They already have an all-star closer in Liam Hendricks, who's arguably one of the best in the game. So that, that was, that just felt like an all in move. We don't, we're mortgaging the future to try and win a championship. Now, hopefully, you know, for them, hopefully it pays off. But if it doesn't, you know, that's, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Unbelievable deal for the Cubs there. I mean, to get a, a former top 10 prospect who's, I mean, before his injury this year, looked like he could have been a rookie of the year guy. Um, he's going to be with the Cubs for, for the duration of his, his rookie deal. And that's, that's a great get. That's a lot more than I thought they were going to get. And I, I think I, I had similar reactions with deals all around the league, whether it was, uh, Kimbrel, Berrios, you name it. It was just mm -hmm. prices were huge. Now I want to circle back to another former White Sox, that being current Red Sox pitcher Chris Sale. And we kind of talked about him earlier. He's just come back from from the injured list. He's got two starts under his belt, 10 innings pitched, a, a squeaky clean 2 0 re record on a 1.80 ERA. So he's obviously made a difference in the immediate return what kind of impact do you guys see him having going forward brendan i'll start with you 
I think having that um, that number one guy every time through through the rotation is huge for the confidence of a team. Um, it's tough going going around when you don't have a real stopper and you're relying on um, Valdi and Erod who can be and have been really good pitchers, um, but it's not a guarantee. You don't have that guy like Sale who you get to his spot in the rotation and you think, oh, we're definitely getting a good game today. We just got to put a few runs on the board and we'll be in a good spot. Um, so I think the confidence alone there and the the break that you get from having a guy like that once every five days is huge. So I think that'll, that'll be the biggest con- contribution he has uh, down the stretch beyond even the contributions on the field every fifth day. Dan? Yeah, I mean, I'm not in the locker room, but I've seen the press conferences. You've seen Chris, Chris Sale speak. Uh, his intensity, his leadership, his competitiveness, there's no way that that doesn't fire up the guys, let alone his ability and what he's going to give you um, almost every single time he's on the mound. Uh, that's going to be huge for for this rotation, which which really needed that. Um, but but the team is general and sort of their their confidence uh, and and com- compete. So I think um, you know I'm really glad he's back. I, I think this is a lot sooner than I, I guess I thought um, that he'd be kind of pitching at this level. So I I just if he if he falters, I mean he is coming back from Tommy John. Usually it takes another six months for guys to really sort of come into their own. So um, yes, he's been off to a hot start. I just don't want to get. Uh, you know, if he does start to falter, people shouldn't freak out. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that's the thing. Chris Sale usually is one of those guys who comes up, comes out of the gate firing off on all cylinders. And then he gets into the dog days of the summer, and that's when his arm starts to kind of fall off, and he kind of wears and tears down. So I, th- I look at this from a, at least a glass half full uh, perspective where yes, you didn't have him for most of the season, but look at where you are with you were without him. Now you add him back and now he's fully rested. Yes. He is coming off Tommy John. So you don't want to push him too much for sure. But if you can get a mid season, Chris sale going down the stretch, especially during a potential playoff run, that, that could be huge for this team. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Now, in order to get there, obviously we gotta they gotta make the playoffs first. And one of the big things that could kind of fuel them into the pro- postseason could be the September call-ups. So I want to kind of get your thoughts on who you guys think might get called up uh, when September first rolls around. Uh, Dan, do you have any player on your radar that could get the call-up that could make a potential impact? Yeah, I mean, I think Duran was one of the people that was going to come up. You've got Hauk sort of hovering back and forth between the rotation. Um, I liked Eduard Bizardo to come up. I think he's rehabbing right now um, when he finishes his assignment. I think he's been good so far in that. I just don't know you know, how far along he's going to be. Uh, he, he's sort of a relief guy. He came up earlier in the year, and I think he pitched pretty well. Um, he's someone that I guess maybe depending, you know, if the bullpen's really hurting where he's at with his assignment, you might see him. Um, but they also might decide just to sort of play it safe and uh, let him get right and just, you know, take at least until next year to to sort of, uh, you know, work on things. Brendan? But, I, yeah, I don't see any other big names. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't expect any any real big names. Um, 
you'll see guys like, uh, I mean, Arroyo's coming back. So I think that roster spot will be big. You won't have to send a guy like Duran or Houck down. So you can have Duran and Houck on the roster. If you're planning on keeping Travis, keeping Travis Shaw on the roster, um, that'll open up that flexibility a little bit. Maybe you'll get a guy like Jonathan Arauz. Um, but I, I really don't think there'll be any huge, um, huge additions beyond guys that we've already seen in the past. Yeah. So no, no Jacoby Ellsbury on, on the cards for this sort of playoff run potentially. Um, So let's kind of move on to this. We're kind of winding down here, getting towards the end of the agenda here. Uh, I do want to get your guys's predictions for the rest of the season. So they, the Red Sox, as I mentioned, you know, they're kind of, looking up to the Rays and the Yankees. The White Sox are cruising in the AL Central. You've got the Astros and A's uh, doing well in the West with the Mariners and then the Toronto Blue Jays kind of lurking in the, in the distance. So looking at where the Red Sox sit now in that second wild card spot, where do you guys see them finishing? Like, I guess this is a two-part question. Like, a, is this still a playoff team despite their recent struggles? And B, is win- winning the division still attainable? So, Brendan, I'll, I'll start with you first. Uh, I think definitely they're still a playoff team. I think um, you'll see them start to put together some of the issues that have been plaguing them the past few weeks. And um, definitely I, I fully expect them to be in contention for uh, for one of the two wildcard spots. And um, at that point, it's it's – I mean, it's a toss up depending on who they'll be playing there and how it goes that day and which pitchers line up. So I think that's, that's a wild card. Well, literally and figuratively there. Um, but in terms of the division, uh, I think it's definitely still in reach. I think um, the Rays obviously are, are on a hot streak and have a, a pretty decent lead right now. And um, I, I think that'll be interesting playing. I mean, the Rays and the Red Sox play each other, I think seven more times down the rest of the season. So that those are seven huge games in determining the division. And um, the second to last series, the Red Sox uh, will play New York again too. So I think um, in terms of determining both the wild card spot and the division winner, those those ten games are are huge. Yeah, I mean the the Red Sox got some work to do in in front of them. They get up they got to not only put together uh, some things you know in their own clubhouse and and. Uh, with their own team, but they're going to have to go uh, up against some, some red hot teams right now um, that uh, you can't really count on cooling off. So I think, um, you know, it, to win the division, I'd say, you know, is starting to approach being a, a tall order, not impossible, but starting to approach um, being a, a real challenge. Um, I think that this team is too good to not be a playoff team. Uh, and if they don't make the playoffs, uh, given the way that they started, given the way that they played for the majority of this year, uh, you know, it, it would be a real disappointment if they didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the, how well the team was really performing before the all-star break. I mean, going into the season, we, we knew that they were going to need a good amount of things to go right, to be atop the division, be in the place that they were, uh, which was atop the division going into the all-star break. But, and that's exactly what happened. The injuries were few and far between. You had guys far exceeding their expectations and we were loving life watching this, this baseball team. And lately, since the All-Star game, that All-Star break, we've obviously seen that team come back down to earth these past couple of weeks. The month of August has not been kind to them. 
and yet they'd still be a playoff team despite the last couple of weeks of struggling if the season ended today, despite that recent slump. So I'm, I'd like to think that this is definitely still a playoff team. So I agree with you there, but I do think the window to write the ship and get back to like that first half version of themselves is closing. I, I think you really got to hope that they tighten things up going into September. They can put together some wins, you know, start looking like a six, you know, winning, you're winning more series than you're not it, putting together some win streaks. That's, that's what we need to get see from them. And in terms of winning the division, I, again, I think it, it is still attainable, but it's not cut and dry. Like I, again, they need to get hot quickly to make it happen with the, especially with how the Rays and the Yankees have been playing out of their minds of late. Like you look at the strength of the schedule between the three teams and they're pretty similar. When I did the quick math, like each team more or less has about 12 series left on their schedule and each team plays six teams above 500 and six teams below 500, somewhere around there. So it's really anyone's division to have because they are only a couple games apart of each other. And then in terms of the wild card spot, I mean, Oakland has a really tough schedule. So I would like to think that the Red Sox should be able to hold off uh, Oakland. And then they've got enough distance between themselves and the likes of Toronto and Seattle where, yeah, Dan, I'm, I'm with you. If they don't make the playoffs, I think you still have to categorize it as a disappointment, even though, when you look at it, the, the season expectations may not have been too that all that high, but when you play as well as you did in that first half, if you don't capitalize on it, it's still a letdown. Yeah. I think the running motto, uh, you know, when you listen to, you know, even the broadcasters, a lot of the, the people who write about the team is that, you know, yes, expectations were pretty low uh, going into the season, but um, they played so well for so long that expectations changed and, um, that's the reality of what happened with this team. They were they they, they played so well um, in almost every facet of the game that you know now little things like fielding or base running errors um, they're just really unacceptable at this point. And um, this is a team that should make the playoffs. They should be better than they've played these past two weeks. Yeah, I think it's um, that that line of um, well, we we didn't even think we'd be here. It's it's one of those things that, yeah, maybe six months ago, you didn't think you'd be here, but now you're here and, and ever, everyone saw how you got here. So we, we've seen the team play for um, more than half the season now, uh, like they could be division winners. So you, you start to expect that. And um, even, even with other teams going on a run, you, you keep fighting through that. And um, I think that it, it would be a disappointment um, if they miss the playoffs. I, th- I think even, even, coming down the stretch, if you're fighting for that second wild card spot, it's slightly disappointing that you didn't, you didn't uh, keep that lead that you had, but def- definitely that, that difference between um, making and not making, I, I don't care about expectations. That's, just, that's hugely disappointing. All right. So I think we're wrapping up here. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts, any final sort of predictions? Like, do you think the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs for sure? Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just the bullpen, the bullpen itself, right? Like Josh Taylor, he's been going from one of the best relievers in baseball to very, very bad. Um, you know, Saramura, he's got to get right. 
Ottavino, I don't know what the is going on with him, but he's got to get it right. Barnes needs to figure it out. That whole unit needs to to get back closer to where it was at the beginning of the year for this team to to really have a shot. I think. Yeah, I I, I fully expect this to be a uh, a dogfight down the stretch in the AL East. I, I really, um, if I had to guess now, I think all three teams will be in the playoffs and you'll get an AL East wild card, and then um, one of them will be meeting the Rays in the postseason. So. Um, I, I really, I expect this to be a fun fight down the stretch and I'm looking forward to it. God, if that is the case, I hope we don't have to go to Yankee stadium. <laughs> I really don't need to see that. Uh, but I think that's going to do it here for this edition of fix and the talk sports. So for Dan Roach and Brendan Connolly, I am Ryan Brown. We will see you next time.